We have many amazing guests here today. And one of them, I just found out, is a bird. It's a lorikeet. I, heard, I, I just turned to Josh, I heard a squawk, and I was like, was that a bird? Maybe it's the Holy Spirit in dove form descending upon us. What is the bird's name? Per Percy. Oh, welcome, Percy. It's a bit too hot today to be outside, so Percy's here with us. Oh, I love it. You never know what you're going to get when you, when you gather together at Lifehouse on a Sunday morning. So good. Well, we have just begun our vision series for 2024. Uh, we started last week. Pastor Josh brought a great message. We had a beautiful time. We learned about more like Jesus and the three key components to that, which is to gather, to grow, and to go. And so this morning, we're going to really be looking at that gather part. But just to give a little bit of a recap, in case you weren't here last week, um, to gather, sorry, we gather to look like Jesus, we grow to live like Jesus, and we go to love like Jesus. And at church, gather, grow, go, I feel like it's all kind of like meshes together and everything has a little bit of gather and a little bit of grow and a little bit of go, all mingling together. But to help us out from a management point of view, we've kind of split it up so that gather represents our Sunday morning services, right here, right now. Um, our Grow is our midweek small groups like Life Men, Life Ladies and our Life Homes. And then Go is our college and our serving or volunteering teams. So Gather is further broken down into two teams, just so we all know what's, what's going on. And maybe if you want to join a team too, then that's awesome. Um, there's a Gather In team, which is the team that kind of helps function in here, like the production guys and the media guys and the worship team and the coordinators and the creative people is the gather in. And then the second part is gather round, which the amazing Chu Lee leads. And that is our host team and our liberté and coffee and car park and check-ins. Am I missing any, Chu Lee? I don't know where she is. Anyway, many, many amazing teams. Um, so that's kind of how that all works, very briefly, in a summary. Um, and our key verse for this year is from Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. And it says this, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. There it is. More like Jesus, imitating God, following the example of Christ. So, a question for you this morning. Whose example are you following? Hmm. <laughs> As a kid, um, not sure if you would believe this, but I was very gullible. I was one of those kids that, and this actually happened multiple times, where someone would say, oh, look, gullible's written on the ceiling. And I would like, be, be like this, looking for the word gullible multiple times. And unfortunately, this trait is still kind of carried on a little bit, and Brock's picked up on it. Um, 
again, multiple times we've been sitting and having dinner and he's finished his dinner and I'm still kind of going and I've got a few like, you know, yummy bits left on my plate. You know, who likes to save the best for last? Yeah, so I've got a few things left on my plate and um, he likes to say, oh, look, a bird. And I don't know why I still do this, but every time I turn to see the bird and then I turn back and my favourite bit of food is gone from my plate. I still fall for it. Um, I like to call it trusting, you know. <laughs> I'm very trusting. Um, anyway, one time in primary school, I remember we were waiting outside for our music teacher to arrive. And um, these couple of girls come running in absolute hysterics from the toilets. And um, this kind of laughter was the type of laughter that you're like, I want to know what is so funny so that I can join in and laugh as well. Like they were absolutely losing it. And um, they started to say to, to us kids who are around, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. This is so crazy. Do you know there is a frog in the toilets? And I was like, are you joking? This is my lucky day. There is a frog in the toilet. I get to see a frog, right? At school. This is so cool. And so they're like, oh my gosh, you need to come see it. Like, you know, like, come this way, follow me. Like, it's just here in the toilets. And so I'm like, all right, this is so cool. I'm going to go off and I'm going to see a frog. And um, I follow them into the toilets. <laughs> That's so stupid. Um, <laughs> why am I sharing this? Anyway, um, <clears throat> follow them into the toilets and the girls kind of stop partway in the doors and they just, they point over to the, <laughs> the very back cubicle and they're like, oh, it's, the frog's just over there. It's just in, in that one. Just keep going. And so I, you know what? I don't know why none of the other kids were with me. I was obviously the only one. Um, my nose at this point should have clued me in on what was going on. Um, but I kept walking over to the cubicle and I looked in to see the biggest diarrhea I have ever seen in my entire life. Like, honestly, it was absolutely everywhere. Like, I, I can still see it now and this is probably 20 years ago. Like, that poor kid, man. They must have absolutely exploded. Like, I think they probably flew up a little bit in the air. Like, it was up, not just in the bowl, it was on the seats, it was down the dripping self, the bowl, it was up the walls, it was on the floor. You probably get the picture. And so I, I was still kind of at this point a little bit um, concerned, obviously, for the kid that had just been in here. Um, but I also just had this little hope in me that maybe, maybe, maybe human poo attracts frogs, <laughs> maybe hiding there somewhere amongst the, the feces. And um, so I turned to ask my friends exactly where, where they saw the frog and uh, <laughs> oh, they weren't there, of course. <laughs> they were laughing, they had gone off and um, I kind of walked off and back out of the toilets with a lung full of human droppings and... Um, my classmates were just all laughing at me and saying, did you really think there was a frog in the toilets? Did you actually go in there to have a little look? And they were 
laughing. Everyone was laughing other than me and probably the kid that had exploded on the toilet. I don't think they would have been having a good day. Um, I realised that sometimes we, we shouldn't necessarily follow everyone just because they say that we should. I learnt that day not to follow the wrong people because I did. I, I followed the wrong people and it led me to a place that I really did not want to be. So I ask you again after that fine story, who are you following? And you know, maybe more importantly, where are they leading you? Are they leading you to a life that looks more like Jesus? Or are they leading you to a life that looks like a frog in a toilet? We're all following someone's example in some way. It could be our parents' example. You know, the way they raised us to respond and react to certain situations, I think too often we probably do resemble our parents more than we like to admit. Could it be our family background? The lifestyle and what they say is acceptable or not acceptable, is, is that what we've tolerated, you know, from the generations before? Is it social media's example? To have a perfect body, to be rich, have an Instagram perfect house, and every moment to be just picturesque and stunning? Is that the example that we're following? Our friends, do we talk and act like them? Probably, if we're hanging around them. But like if they're all gossiping, do we join in and start gossiping too? Our husband or wife, if they start pointing the finger and picking a fight, are we matching their energy? Maybe you're dating someone. If they start pushing those physical boundaries, do you just follow their lead? Maybe you're watching someone a lot of um, on YouTube and you start to adopt their ideas and their ways of doing things. It's not all bad. Maybe you come to church and you're listening to Josh's messages and you're following the example that he sets. That's a good thing. Maybe you've got a really good mentor or friendship and you're noticing that you're starting to say things the way that they say or trying to make decisions the way that they might make decisions. Whether for good or for bad, maybe a bit of both, we all have examples. Other people around us that we pick up habits or expectations Thinking patterns, decision-making strategies, coping mechanisms that we pick these things up from. Only are those examples making us more like Jesus or are those examples making us look more like Satan? I try to think of a better other end of the spectrum because I was, you know, it's pretty intense, but um, I couldn't really think of anything. <laughs> are they making us more like Jesus or more like Satan? 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Paul says here, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You know, Paul can only say confidently, imitate me, because he is imitating Christ. Are those examples around you, or the things that you picked up from people years ago, are those people imitating Christ? Are they imitators of Jesus? Who have they been following? Have they been following the maker of heaven and earth? Or are they 
following some dysfunctional family pattern that they have picked up before. You know, I'm really grateful that we have the Word of God and the written accounts of Jesus Christ when he was here on earth. It is so good. Because in order for us to know if someone is following Jesus' example, we actually need to know Jesus first. We need to know what he was like. We need to know what he stood for and what he stooped for. We need to know who he hung out with and when he withdrew. We need to know how he lived and how he loved. And that is all in the Word of God. So I just want to take a little moment just to really encourage you that you can't expect, we can't expect our life to look like Jesus or to know the habits and the examples that we need to follow if we're not reading the Word of God daily. Because that's where we learn it. We got to first find out what his example is in order to follow his example. You know, the disciples spent every waking moment with Jesus. From the moment that he called them, they were with him day in and day out. Honestly, forget look like Jesus. These guys would have smelt like Jesus. Everywhere he went, their clothes would have been covered by the dust from his steps as he walked ahead of them. They all slept by his side. They ate by his side. They probably caught the spit on their faces from Jesus as he spoke to them as they stood next to him. They asked questions and they hung onto his answers. They listened so closely to what he was going to say. What is he going to say next? So that they could grab it and apply it. And, and, and they listened to hear when he was going to give them an instruction to go somewhere or to do something. Are we posturing ourselves in this same way before Jesus Christ? As a staff, we've been listening and learning from an author called John Mark Comer. Um, and he explains how this word disciple can also maybe be better translated to the word apprentice. And I actually really like that because to me, it makes me think of this like hands-on learning experience. It's like this, this skills-based work. It's relational. It's in person. It's kind of maybe a little bit like slower rather than just reading information and doing an assignment on it. It's this day-in, day-out, practical learning and growing, an apprentice. So what do you need to do to put yourself in an apprentice position before Jesus? If we want to look more like Jesus and follow his example, sounds simple, but we've got to first follow him. So going back to Ephesians 5, our key verse, we're kind of lucky. It gives us a little bit of a cheat to know what Jesus' example was, what he gives us. It says in verse 2, right after it says, following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. 
That's our example. He loved us enough to lay his life down as a sacrifice, an atonement for our sins. Now, this, what Christ did, you'll be pleased to know, that's a once and for all thing. Like Paul here, who, who wrote Ephesians, he's not saying, guys, go, go actually die for the sins of the whole world. That's not what he's asking us to do. But in Romans, he does write for us to be a living sacrifice. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. To offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That is our true and proper worship, which is just like Jesus says in Matthew 16. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So there's this expectation that Jesus sets. And it's, it's pretty big, right? This expectation that as a disciple of Jesus Christ or an apprentice of Jesus Christ, we are to lay our lives down the way that Jesus laid his life down for us. You know, Jesus in the garden, before he was taken and beaten and hung up on the cross, he prayed to his heavenly Father and he says this one line, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And it is this beautiful example for us to follow because who knows, sometimes we don't really feel like following God. Sometimes we just feel like living a nice comfortable life. We don't really feel like denying ourselves. Sometimes we just feel like doing what we want to satisfy our wants, our desires, rather than being obedient to what God asks. But Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you got to follow my example. Deny yourself Pick up your cross, follow me. You know, that looks like saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. It looks like saying, even though right now I'm with my friends, they're gossiping, I want to gossip, I want to join in speaking bad about someone, but I'm going to choose your will and not mine. Proverbs 16 verse 8, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. It looks like saying, even though right now I want to yell back and just let off some rage and some steam, I'm going to choose your will and not mine. James 1.19, quick to listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. It looks like even though you might be thinking, even though right now I just want to sit in my frustration and unforgiveness towards someone, 
I'm choosing your will and not mine. Ephesians 4.32, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It looks like saying, even though right now I want to give in to my lustful thinking and go to that website, I'm choosing your will and not mine. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honour. What a good verse. It looks like saying, even though I really want to lose my temper at my kids right now, I'm going to choose your will and not mine. Proverbs 15.6, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. It looks like saying, even though right now I don't really feel like being kind to that person and, and spending time with them, I'm choosing your will, not mine. And Matthew 5.47 says, even if you, are, if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. And John 13, 34, love one another as I have loved you. It looks like saying, even though right now I really want to reach for a drink of alcohol to deal with my situation, I'm choosing your will and not mine. Ephesians 5, 18, don't get drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And lastly, even though, well, actually it's not lastly, it's probably a whole bunch of things, but it also looks like saying, even though I really want to make them pay for how they've treated me, how they've hurt me, I'm choosing your will, not mine. Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In Romans 12, it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. In every situation, being a disciple of Jesus is to live a life surrendered to him, learning from his life, his word, his Holy Spirit to become each day just a little bit more like Jesus. Matt and Julie, um, they chatted with him last week and they, they both work in a school and so they love to abbreviate things. And they were telling me that they've come up with this new little thing where if one of them is looking like they want to be a little bit more like Satan instead of a bit more like Jesus, they'll say to each other, hey, is that MLJ? I'm like, I love that. Is that more like, is that MLJ? It's kind of like the new WWJD. What would Jesus do? MLJ. Turn to somebody and say, hey, you being MLJ? MLJ. I love it. I reckon, we, I reckon we need to do that. We need to keep each other accountable, right? Jesus says, if you want to be like me, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You know what I love about this? Jesus doesn't say, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and then go off all alone by yourself. No, he, he speaks about closeness. He says, follow me. There's a proximity there. It's this same invitation that Jesus gave to his disciples that he gives to you and to me. It's an invitation to be close to Jesus, close enough that we can catch his spit on our face and his dust on our clothes, close enough that we start to smell like him. 
You've probably heard this before. I've got a little prop over here. I don't know if you've seen these before. Cool bananas. Um, so we're going to do a little science, a little science lesson here. Not that I'm good at science, but this is very basic, so hopefully we'll, we'll get there. Um, but did you know that if you keep bananas bunched up together, that they ripen way quicker? Anyone knew that? No. Wow. Google it if you need proof. Not right now. After the seven. If you keep them together, they, they ripen way quicker. So here I've got a bunch of ripe bananas. And here is a bunch of unripe bananas. Uh, can you see that? Can you see the colour difference? These ones are definitely a lot more green. Um, and it's kind of cool. Maybe afterwards, come and have a look. You can actually see in between the bananas where they're touching each other, they're slightly a little bit more yellow, which is kind of cool. Um, but the best way, right, for me to slow down the ripening process of these unripe bananas is to kind of break them off and um, put them all in solitary confinement, you know, throw them one over here and one over there and just separate them all away from each other. Why? Because bananas, as they ripen, they give off this substance called ethylene gas. There we go, now we're getting sciencey. Ethylene gas, which when other bananas are close enough to catch the gas, it causes them to ripen quicker. We're all following? Great. So each banana gives off a certain amount of ethylene gas. So when they separate from each other, like if they're all in solitary confinement, they can only ripen at the rate in which they are producing gas themselves, right? This, this one times amount of ethylene gas. But as soon as you put them together with all their buddies... They're all of a sudden growing at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times, there's a biblical number, seven times the amount quicker. They are ripening seven times quicker because they are catching the gas, the ethylene, from each other, causing them to ripen quicker. Do you know? that we are all like a bunch of bananas. Not just like, you know, a whole bunch of people eating beans in a, in a room together, giving off gas, you know what I mean? But we are... <laughs> what's with my bad humour today? I don't know. Um, we are all like a bunch of bananas. In our journey to being more like Jesus, our goal, just like a banana is to ripen and mature, to soften, to become less bitter, to become more like Jesus. How do we do that? By bunching together, by gathering together. And gathering together, of course, with Jesus. We've got to be like the vine and the branch, connected to Jesus Christ, learning from him just as the disciples learned, catching his dust, his wisdom, his gentleness, his peace, his joy, his selflessness. We've got to be connected to Jesus. But 
just like bananas, ripen quicker when they're around other bananas, so do we. That is why moments like this morning, like our Sunday mornings, are so important for us to gather together, to be sharpening and encouraging, inspiring. Maybe, you know, like annoying each other a little bit just so we can learn to be more patient. That's not a free be annoying card, by the way. (laughs) So that we can grow to be more like Jesus. Turn to somebody and say, hey there, be one. Turn to somebody else and say, is that you I can smell, B2? <laughs> Little banana and pyjamas reference, Kiss. you're not sure. You know, this room, we're full of gas right now. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we're reeking <laughs> with ripening. <laughs> but it's not ethylene. It's the Holy Spirit (laughs) who lives inside of every single one of us. We get in the picture this morning. On that note, let's have the keys up. (laughs) Romans 12 says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but as its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one Spirit, So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. You know, the body of Jesus Christ can only be fully seen when the body of Jesus Christ comes together. And guess what? Look around. This is the body of Jesus Christ coming together, all with our different pasts and personalities, all with our different skills and traits and habits. This is us. This is the body of Christ coming together. This is the image of Jesus Christ, us gathering together as one under the name of Jesus. No wonder, Jesus says, In Matthew 18, verse 20, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there with them. Jesus is here right now with you, with us. There's many people in this room, I reckon, who could testify to how God has really used this gathering together, this bunching up to to ripen them, to grow them, to teach them, to stretch them, to usher them closer to their Heavenly Father. I'm sure many of us can can testify to that. But this morning, we're going to be hearing from two guys who have really grown and and experienced God and um, yeah, have really been blessed by these Sunday morning services. And I reckon that it will be a blessing to all of us as well to hear about it. So that is Luke and Reese. If you guys can put your hands together and welcome them up. Can use the banana as a leaning post. Uh, thanks for the applause. Yes, uh, you know, good morning, chef would have been good enough, but it's all good. Um, so, yeah, I'm Luke, and speaking of being full of gas, this is, this is, this is my good mate, Reese. Hello. Um, yeah, Tash asked us to come up and just 
um, say a few things about why we feel that gathering together is important. And um, yeah, we, we thought we'd love to do that. So um, yeah, I guess for me, Sunday mornings are so important because they're almost like a, um, a godly sort of reset. Like we come here and after a long week of, you know, whether there's distraction or something going on um, that takes us away from having God uh, front in our minds or my mind, um, we can come here and just have that real total reset. What do you reckon, Reese? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I reckon coming here Sunday mornings, um, Liberté, of course, some of the best food you ever get. Um, yeah, also, just during the week, you meet people and you get influenced by, you know, everyone's sort of beliefs and, and things that are going on in the world. And at the moment, I don't think it's the best. So coming here and, and meeting with like-minded people and resetting and, you know, praising God and, and just getting that, that, you know, time with Him is really important, I feel. It just, yeah, it gives you a, a real good mindset to, to start the new week, so. For sure. Yeah, like when I started coming weekly with, with my family, I noticed like a real breath of fresh air um, because we could come here and have Jesus and, you know, like the scriptures um, really being described so clearly, whether we do our own readings during the week or whatever, it's like, um, it's just so clear and really well described where it, yeah, um, we can really just take it as a tool to move on with. Um, and every week, regardless of what it is, it's like, wow, that was speaking to me. You know, whoever was up here was speaking to me and really um, we could take, I could take something away every single week. It's not like there's weeks where it's like, oh, this message, you know, not for me today. So it's always something. Um, but Yeah, I mean, in elaborating with that with me as well, 100%. It just, I don't know how it happens, but it just feels every week that the message is just tailor-made for exactly what's going on in my life. And it's given me the answers to move forward in a better way. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, probably speaking the same for Reese, but um, for me, you know, coming here weekly has seen our family um, get the opportunity to be supported, uh, like emotionally and grow spiritually um, and make friends of similar interests. Everyone here seems to have a very, you know, we're all focused on a similar mindset of where we want to go. Um, which yeah is why we're all here today, um, because we yeah we know that exact direction. Um, but it's not just for me. Like my wife Yana, all of my kids, um, we all have that same friendship connection. And yep, Ciara sitting on the front there. We um we all have that exact same thing. Leaving here, coming back every week, being able to see each other um, that we all know, get along with, and you know build up really good friendships. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what else, Reese? Um, you know, coming, yeah, coming here has given us the opportunity, or f for me, um, to be able to spread God's love wherever we go, um, whether it be you know at church, being part of kids' church, or you know different things like cr Christmas festival and church events, um, pushing my comfort zone, Tash, wherever you are, and standing here and doing this. Um, this isn't something I like doing but I, I really want to and I want to get better at it so you know I'm glad we got asked to do these sort of things um, and even yeah cooking lunch for 
all of our friends and family, you know, church family here today, which we get to do quite often. And then even better, send the money that we that we make out of that for the for the church, send that overseas to help other people then better themselves. It's just so amazing. Um, so why, what do you reckon about why we should prioritise getting here every week, even though we had a little, little bit of a slow run this morning? Well, subconsciously, I hate public speaking. So I think my body was trying to not let me do it. So we... That's why we're the I, perfect ones to be up here then, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I literally slept into about, I don't know, 9.30, and I live in Para Hills in Adelaide. So I literally drove here and got up here about two minutes before I had to get on stage. So... The, the prayers worked. Yeah. And I didn't speed nothing. It was just... I just let it happen, and if I was going to make it, I was going to make it. So, like, a, yeah, it... It's God. He yeah. made me get here at the exact time that I needed to be here. So, For sure. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah, I reckon gathering here together every week or as many as often as possible is like the healthiest habit you can form in life. Um, the biggest challenge I see of once you're here and taking that away is... Um, what someone was saying in prayer this morning is like then being able to put 100% trust in God with your life um, that's probably the next step after just making it here it's like really just being able to put everything over to him and saying I know like you know you can do this that you've got this um, I think that's really important um, but yeah any any habit change can be really hard I know that for sure um, and it can be a struggle to get up here and do, you know, come to church every week um, or even standing outside of church and being able to tell someone that you're a Christian um, and that you go to church. That's pretty difficult as well sometimes, but I love the fact that I'm able to do that confidently and with, with happiness um, and be able to spread sort of that cheer. Um, but you never know if you're watching um, and you don't come to church or if you feel like you can't come every week once you do, you might be able to plant that seed in someone else's life and it could just absolutely change their life. You, you don't never know. Um, and I think that's happened for myself and Reese as well. Just that absolute flip in your life um, and the best change possible for everyone. Yeah, definitely. I had a bit of a rough time last year. Um, that's why I came to this church. Um, and I was going to work every day and people sort of knew about that. But they also said to me, why are you smiling? Why are you so happy? And I'm like, it's because I let God into my life and I, I sort of gave everything to him and let him do his work. And everyone's seen that and everyone's like, wow, if he can do it in the hardest time of his life, then maybe I can too. So a few people at work, of, you know, Helped out as well, just in showing them what I can do with God. Yeah, Reese has, um, you know, brought a couple of other people through his job. You know, being a big tough truckie and transporting heavy goods, he's um, brought a couple of people that he's talked to me about to God, or people that used to go to church um, and things like that. They're now going, and now they manage to talk about that all the time between each other, and it's just yeah, 
it's amazing. You've done so good, Reese. We're stoked for you as well. But um, yeah, thank you all for that. That's that's probably what we got to say. Thank you, chefs. <laughs> that was awesome. So so good. Thank you for for sharing and so cool, Reese, that you drive every week, whole hour to be here to to bunch up with us bananas, right? So good. Thank you, guys. Let's make it our mission this year, 2024, to be bunched up to Jesus and bunched up together. I pray that by the end of 2024 that we're all going to be looking and smelling a bit more like Jesus, to be a little bit more generous, a little bit more loving, a little bit more caring and forgiving, patient, selfless, a little bit more courageous, a little bit more peaceful, hopefully a little bit wiser and a little bit more like Jesus. Will you stand with me this morning? At the end of Jesus' time on earth, he gathered his disciples, his apprentices together. And he sends them off to go and do what he has done. He says this in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a call. What a send off. Yet again, it's not a go off on your own and be alone. Jesus again paints this picture of closeness, of proximity. He promises, I will be with you always. To the very end of the age, I will be with you. And that is right now. We are standing in that promise with the promise giver and the promise keeper, Jesus Christ. He is with you right now. His blood that was spilt on the cross has the power to defeat the sin in your life, to rip you out of darkness and to place you into light. His blood paid to restore our closeness to God. We don't need to hide from Him anymore for fear of judgment. For the judgment that our sin deserved was poured upon Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago when He died on the cross for you and for me. He took upon His body our sin and He buried it in the grave, rising again three days later, victorious. Jesus is alive. He is here and He has a promise to be with you. But will you be with Him? He is calling us to follow Him, which we understand is that closeness. It's doing life with Him. He's calling us to pick up our cross, to deny ourselves, to surrender ourselves before Him the way He surrendered Himself on the cross for us. But will you? He's not forcing us. He's asking us, will you follow me? 
will you be my disciple? Will you let me teach you? Will you be my apprentice? Will you? Yeah? Because we're all following someone's example. If we're not following his, we're following someone else's and we better be, better be sure that we know where they're leading us. I know that I want to follow the one who is the way, the truth, the life. I want to follow the one who is leading me to eternal life. And I'm pretty sure that would be the same for most of us. So what we're going to do, we're going to pray. I just want to ask you to close your eyes. And this is, this is for those who might have never said, yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus. But this is also for those of us who have said, yeah, sign me up. I'm going to be a Christian. But you've kind of noticed that maybe you're not right next to him. Maybe you're not as close to Jesus as, as catching the dust from, from his shoes anymore. Maybe, maybe you're a few steps away from him. Maybe you're finding that you're saying yes more often to your will than to His will. And you just want to say this morning, Jesus, I draw in close to you. It could be for the first time. could be for the hundredth time. Maybe you said it yesterday and you realise I need to do it again today. But if that's you and you want to say yes to this journey of apprenticing with Jesus, drawing in close to Him and experiencing everything that He is. Just stretch your hands out in front of you. Let's do it right now. If that's you, just saying, yep, Jesus, I draw in close to you. Let's say, yes, I do want to follow you. Let's pray, Lord, this isn't just a statement that we can say. This is actually a lifestyle. This is something for the day in and the day out and Oh, Lord, we need your help. We thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us, to train us into how to be more like you. I pray for everyone right now who's reaching out and saying, yeah, I want to be your apprentice. Lord, I pray that you will teach and guide us, that we will sense your closeness and your presence right now, that we will learn to come before you with questions and concerns and and everything that we might feel, Lord, pouring it out to you and hearing what you, our, our teacher, our leader has to say. Jesus, we thank you that you wanna be close to us. Us stinky old, Bananas? I don't know. Lord, we thank you that you love us enough, that you loved us enough to give yourself as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could have this closeness to you. Jesus, we thank you. Will you help us on this journey this year to become more like you? Help us to keep each other accountable. Help us to to call each other out when we need to, to refine each other. But mostly, Lord, I pray that you create a hunger inside of each of us to know you more, just to, to soak you up, to soak your word up, to pour over the scriptures daily in search of, of what you're saying and your will, not our own. Lord, we thank you for this. We pray that you'll keep this in our hearts, your, your word in our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. We're going to worship. Thanks, Dean.